DHS's lead role in battling the WannaCry ransomware attack and combining big data and machine learning to toughen enterprise defenses. These stories and more coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We begin today's security report with two reports on the WannaCry ransomware that continues to ripple through the internet. The WannaCry attack came up during a House hearing this past week. The Department of Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly appeared before the House Appropriations Committee, where he defended his department's $44 billion budget request for fiscal year 2018 that begins October 1st. Cybersecurity is just one critical but relatively small part of DHS's activities. Most spending goes to other areas within DHS, such as managing the nation's borders, enforcing immigration laws, and preventing terrorism. DHS's cybersecurity initiatives are overseen by the department's National Protection and Program Directorate, and the Trump administration's budget, unveiled earlier this week, would allot nearly $3.3 billion to the directorate. That sounds like a lot of money, but it's not even 7.5% of the overall DHS budget request. Still, DHS serves as the lead federal agency responsible for civilian IT security in and out of government, and during the Appropriations Committee hearing, Kelly discussed how DHS took the lead in battling the WannaCry ransomware attacks. Committee Chairman Republican Representative Rodney Freelingheisen of New Jersey questioned Kelly about the resilience of federal IT systems. Kelly used his response to highlight DHS's role in addressing the WannaCry attack. We had, of course, as you're aware, the most massive cyber attack I think perhaps the world has ever seen just within recent weeks. Do you have a constant review of, of the many systems under your yes, purview? Uh, the answer to that, the very short answer is yes. And since you bring it up, the reason, I mean, this was a joint effort, but uh, on, the, on the morning that that ransom attack started, I would say DHS was among the very first people, which is our job, to recognize that it started. And as it grew, and it grew fast, DHS, with other aspects of the U.S. government, but DHS has the lead in, in terms of defending our .gov, our government, uh, with the exception of DOD and the Intel Nets, our .gov Nets, and has tremendous partnerships with all of U.S. industry, uh, whether they're financial institutions, everybody that wants to play, that want, and a lot of them do play. So when that ransomware attack started, I would have to tell you, went to the sit room, the situation room. We had some immediate uh, meetings on it. Uh, I was uh, proud that everyone, whether it was NSA, FBI, everybody, was deferring at all times to my command center that deals 24-7 watching the nets within uh, cyber uh, defenses. Uh, and I was incredibly proud to have them all deferring to DHS. So as we saw that runaway event that ultimately infected huge numbers of systems and, and computers in Europe and Middle East, I mean everywhere, Asia, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of contaminated systems and, uh, and individual computers. Because of the interagency effort in the United States, but to a large degree because of what DHS does in its cybersecurity mission, I can't tell you, uh, but let me just say that the number of systems infected in our, our, in our country were minuscule. We defended the country from the biggest cyber onslaught in history, and we were successful in keeping it out of our country with the exception of a tiny, tiny, tiny number of computers. That's DHS Secretary John Kelly speaking about the department's leadership role in defending against the WannaCry ransomware attack at a House hearing earlier this week. We'll have more on WannaCry after this brief message. 
ISMG's Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit on June 20th and 21st in Chicago will address the current rise in the U.S. of data breaches, ransomware, business email compromises, phishing and computer network intrusions, and more. Hear from the founder of the Cyber Threat Intelligence Division of the U.S. Secret Service and other influencers. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. As security professionals absorb the consequences of WannaCry, they're focusing on how best to defend against it and similar ransomware threats. Healthcare Info Security Executive Editor Marianne Kolbesak-McGee explains. The best defense against the ransomware WannaCry proved to be applying the patch provided by Microsoft to fix the vulnerability in its Windows operating systems that the ransomware exploited. Organizations doing so didn't fall victim to the WannaCry attack. But there's more an organization should do to build its defenses against such ransomware attacks. For one, gain knowledge. Learn as much as you can about the malware behind these attacks. Independent security consultant Doug Copley is a veteran chief information security officer. And Copley says that one way to meet this challenge is to get the right information on vulnerabilities. In the case of WannaCry, having processes in place to communicate with industry sharing groups like the multi-state ISOC or the national healthcare ISOC so that you're getting timely information. Even in the case for organizations that found themselves in the situation that they did not get their patches released in time, That active communication with the ISOCs is critical because what it would have allowed them to do was understand how that malware was functioning. And there were a couple paths they could have taken to stop the malware from actually activating. In the case of WannaCry, having processes in place to communicate with industry sharing groups like the multi-state ISOC or the national healthcare ISOC so that you're getting timely information. One of the options Copley identified is the creation of what's known as a domain name server sinkhole. According to the SANS Institute, a DNS sinkhole detects and prevents malicious and unwanted activity occurring between an enterprise's computer systems and the internet. These sinkholes are inexpensive, effective, scalable, and easy to maintain. And sinkholes prevent WannaCry and other ransomware from activating. It's not just the patch management itself, but it's having that data feed, that information from the ISOCs or from industry groups to give them the timely information on how they can mitigate the risk, even if the malware has already entered their environment. Remember, the WannaCry exploits that spreading in the wild is very sophisticated, resilient malware that's not intended to be detected. The experts believed to have written WannaCry were from the American military's National Security Agency. Copley says that there are other defenses organizations can take to mitigate WannaCry and similar malware. The one thing organizations who are trying to stay ahead of the game are doing are investing in some of the more advanced malware detection capabilities in the market, whether it's cloud vendors, whether it's on-site products, and relying on some of these that are using machine learning and artificial intelligence-based capabilities to try and detect malware and prevent it from spreading. Still, as Copley points out, going back to basics can go a long way in mitigating ransomware such as WannaCry. That includes patch management, backing up data, and knowing where critical data resides in a system. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. 
ISMG, your number one source for information security news. I would not say it's a panacea. What I would say, however, is that the use of big data and machine learning AI technologies in general will become a necessary element of the security practice. That's Will Capelli. He's a Gartner Research Vice President focusing on the application of big data and machine learning technologies. My colleague, ISMG Associate Editor Barun Haran, recently caught up with Capelli and they discussed the criticality of big data and machine learning to IT security. Barun joins me. Welcome, Barun. Hi, Eric. The use of big data and machine learning is a growing market, right? Yes, Eric. Gartner estimates that in 2016, $800 million was spent worldwide on the application of big data analytics and machine learning technologies to secure IT. And that's an 80-20 breakdown, 80% big data analytics and 20% machine learning. Big data and machine learning are two different things. What's the linkage between the two? So enterprises look at these technologies as two components of a single architecture. So typically, an enterprise would deploy a big data log management platform and then deploy some kind of machine learning capability on top of that platform to enable the automated discovery of hidden patterns and anomalies in this data that indicate, for instance, unauthorized access. Capelli explains what happens next. The critical thing is to first get the data in hand in the form of application logs, then have the machine learning systems, first of all, tell you what constitutes normal behavior, and then tell you what constitutes a departure from that normal behavior. Once you have that departure, then you do the analysis and figure out whether the root cause is a system failure or a malicious intervention. You got to figure that vendors are offering platform products that combine these technologies. Capelli says that vendors are beginning to offer products that converge big data analytics and machine learning technologies and expects them to mature over the next few years. For now, though, Gartner is not advising its clients to buy the single stack. Instead, it recommends enterprises deploy various components modularly until the reliability of the converged platforms improves. Over time, we expect the stacks to harden and and we do expect the market to end up favoring integrated stacks rather than separate components. Do enterprises have the skills on staff to handle not only these technologies, but related ones, uh, such as uh, behavioral analytics? Well, these technologies require a new way of thinking about IT security, Eric. And Capelli says that means some security practitioners might need to go back to school to remain current. They need to brush off those mathematical statistics textbooks. They need to start thinking mathematically about the problems that they're dealing with. They need to start thinking like a data scientist. Fortunately, says Capelli, fresh graduates coming out of universities today in any one of the technical fields, math, physics, computer science, biology, engineering, and economics, would have taken two to five courses that are built around machine learning. As enterprises hire these new graduates, Capelli sees the scarcity of these needed skills fading away. Thanks, Varun. You're welcome, Eric. Finally, in 2007, an identity theft task force named by President George W. Bush recommended the government stop using social security numbers as a personal identifier by federal agencies. A decade later, the Government Accountability Office is preparing a report on federal efforts that so far shows that these initiatives have had limited success in finding new ways to identify individuals. All major federal agencies have developed plans to curtail use of Social Security numbers, but few have fully implemented them. Why so? 
Among the reasons cited by agencies, federal laws and regulations that require them to collect Social Security numbers. Also, Social Security numbers remain the common identifier among agencies when they share information about individuals. Earlier this week, GAO Information Securities Issues Director Gregory Wilson told Congress that poor planning by the agencies and ineffective monitoring by the White House Office of Management and Budget have hampered efforts to reduce the use of Social Security numbers. Here is Wilson testifying before the House Oversight and Government Reform Subcommittee on Information Technology. Until OMB and agencies adopt better and more consistent practices, the reduction efforts will likely remain limited and difficult to measure. Moreover, the risk of Social Security numbers being exposed and used to commit identity theft will remain greater than it need be. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.